0: Welcome to the LifeHouse Church Podcast. LifeHouse is a church that exists to invite all people to live an uncommon life by following Jesus, doing life together, getting in the game, and leaving a legacy. We hope that today's message helps you grow as a follower of Jesus, gives you perspective to see yourself and others differently, and inspires you to make a difference in the world around you. Now, let's get to this week's message.
1: All right, well, good morning, LifeHouse. Before we even do anything, you know, first, I just love your pastors, and you know, pastors are a gift, and so you have a wonderful uh, pastors here with Pastor John and Kristen, and so could we just, I know they're not here, but could we just honor them this morning? Can you express your appreciation to them? And just the whole entire team, you have a wonderful team. John and Kristen are dear friends of my wife and I, Rebecca. And so we are just grateful. Our boys uh, love each other. And so they're just very dear friends. And I just know so many of the team here at Lifehouse. And so just I feel like I'm home. And so thank you for cultivating that atmosphere where people feel like they're at home. Because church isn't just about one person. It's all of us together. And so why don't you give yourselves a hand for that, for just cultivating that atmosphere. And so we'll, we'll go ahead and, and, and jump right in. But how many of you have ever, you know, you, you, you got the QVC bug or the InfoMotion bug? Have, have, any, have any of you got that? You may have seen on TV, you know. Now, my mother-in-law, she is like Miss Queen of that. I mean, if she sees anything on Amazon or as seen on TV, it's like, oh, I don't know why she thinks that we need it. But she will, I mean, every day, literally every day, I think the Amazon people, they just know us by name, and we just kind of give them set stuff out for them and tell them, hey, come on in and use the bathroom, because we get literally probably about two or three boxes every day at our house. Matter of fact, I I came home yesterday, and I go in, and there's a box there, and I'm like, what's in the box? Uh, What does your mom send now? She's like, I don't know. She sent this, like, furniture oil. I'm like, why would she send furniture oil? And she's like, because I bought a new table at the thrift store. My wife, my wife's a, if you know my wife, my wife is a huge, I mean, she does interior design and things, but she just always, she's like Miss Queen Fine, like the thrift store. She's never met a thrift store she couldn't conquer and so she bought this piece of furniture and i guess she told her mom and her mom thought maybe it needs to be oiled so it's just like oh okay you know okay but some of you have got that bug i've I've gotten it a couple of times but you may be scrolling through and you may have seen a video that looks something like this
0: are you tired of of taking taking your dog dog for a a walk walk and and picking picking up up after after their their mess mess? are you you tired tired of using grocery bags or products that are are heavy and not useful? useful It can get very messy when your pet goes in the house or on the sidewalk or even your neighbor's lawn.
1: We have the answer for you. Introducing Pootrap, an amazing new innovation that eliminates the need of picking up after your dog. Pootrap is a unique new product that fits any size dog without any hassles and your pets will love it too. It's easy to install on your dog and it makes your walking experience fun.
0: Walking your dog just got easier with poo Pootrap. No poops, no oops. Poo Trap is available in eight sizes and three colors. There are no substitutes. Poo Trap, the magic poop collector. Order yours today. Call 888 trap. That's 888-766-8727. Call now or visit our website at www.pootrapusa.com. Order yours today.
1: Now, you may see something like that now. Now, for those of you that have dogs in here, uh, for some of you that are probably new dog owners, you're probably like, ooh, that, that, that sounds good. But for those of us that have dogs, I have a dog, you know that, hey, that, that, that just doesn't work. That is just not going to work. There is a reason why you don't see people walking around the neighborhood with their dog with a poo trap on. Uh, there, there is a reason. But here's the thing, though. We, we watch these videos. They intrigue us because we want things that are going to make our life easier. Isn't that right? And the first question we always ask, if you're a skeptic, you look and you say, does that thing really work? Yeah, because we're always looking for things to improve the quality of our life, make life easier. But here's what I've noticed, though. There's a lot of us that take our spiritual life like that, where we're always trying to look for the easiest thing to try to make our life better. And so we're searching and we're searching and we're searching and we're always asking the question, does this thing work? But I'm here to tell you this morning that while that might be a way to kind of live life a little bit in your everyday life, how many of you know that formula just doesn't work for your spiritual life? And so this morning, if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, if not, it's going to be on the screen here, but I want you to go to Matthew chapter 7, and I'm going to read a passage starting with verse 24 of Matthew chapter 7, and it says this, Therefore, anyone, everyone, who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. It's like the song we sung today. Christ is our firm foundation. It says, The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell With a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So let me kind of just take you to where we're going here. Now, this passage of scripture is really found in Matthew chapter 7. It is kind of the wrapping up of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, in the book of Matthew, Jesus has these five blocks of major teaching that's throughout the book of Matthew. And the first block that we get to is known as the Sermon on the Mount. And so if you grew up in church, you know that's where the Beatitudes are and everything. And so chapters 5 through 7 is some of the most extensive teaching that you'll have. Now, part of that block of teaching is this. Jesus is talking about that, hey, my kingdom has come, and if you are a kingdom citizen, if you are a follower of Christ, and if you are part of this kingdom of God, this is what your life looks like. If you're a citizen of the kingdom of God, here are the rules, here are the, the lifestyle, here are the ways that you live if you are in my kingdom kingdom and so he goes on and he gives the beatitudes, and you know you find things like love your neighbor turn the other cheek when you pray when you fast when you give and so he's giving all these things of what a kingdom citizen what your life looks like and so he's coming to the end which is chapter seven and he ends it with three warnings and he's wrapping it up and he says okay the first warning is you know what there 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 is narrow the gate to enter into the kingdom, that there is a way that is wide and everybody takes it, but there's a narrow gate. And then the second warning he gives, it says, watch out for false prophets, because there'll be like, you know, like sheep among wolves, there'll be wolves among sheep, that here are false prophets, they sound good, they look good, but they're really not good. And then he gives this third warning, And he says, and this to me is the scariest part of the whole scripture. Where he says, not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. And so after he says all of these things and and take it into context, he's telling you how to be a kingdom citizen. And now he's getting to the end and warning you that there are those that may look like they're part of the kingdom, but they're really not. And then we get to verse 24, which is actually the very first parable of Jesus that you'll read in the book of Matthew. And he gives this very simple parable and he talks about, hey, and he opens it up and he really tells you what it's all about. He says, therefore, everyone, say everyone, who hears these words of mine and puts them into a practice is like a wise man. And so what Jesus is getting to this point, and he's saying this, he's saying, to sum it all up, if you are a citizen of the kingdom, it's all about whoever does what I say. It's all about that word obedience. Can you say the word obedience? We don't like to talk about obedience. We like to, we, when we think about God, we like to think about God as a loving God. We, saw we We love that God is love, that God is forgiving. But here, God is a God that desires obedience. Now, see, as human beings, though, we govern our lives by a lot of different things. There's four major ways that we govern our lives. We govern our lives by reason. And that's it, I think. We, we rationalize. The second way we govern our lives is we govern it by our experience. I feel. Okay? Then there's another way we govern our lives. It is by tradition. I've always done it this way. And then there's the last thing of how we govern our lives. And that is by revelation. And that is saying that God says in his word, and that's how we do. Now, at any given moment, we govern our lives by any one of those things, by how we think, of how we feel, and what God says. But the problem is, is that three out of those things can kind of lead you wrong. You hear what I'm saying? You see, if your belief system is faulty, you could reason something that might be wrong. So it doesn't matter what you think. You may be in a situation where your experience might, although it might be true to you, it might not be the reality, and your feelings sometimes could steer you wrong. (laughs) Ask anybody that goes to the gym. They say, go to the gym, work out, or go on a diet, and and it's going to be healthy for you. You know, it doesn't feel good, does it? But it's good for you. But your experience, the way you feel, might detour you from actually doing what is good for you. So you see, feelings can't always steer you. And, oh, Lord knows tradition. Just because everybody's doing it. How many of you have heard this? If everybody jumps off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge too? Just because it's always done that way doesn't mean that it's necessarily right. And so the only thing that matters is what does God's word say. And so this morning, I'm just going to really, this is a very simple message. I uh, I, uh, please uh, apologize in advance for the simplicity of it, but Jesus is very simple in what he says here, and we're just going to go through, and I'm just going to give you just a couple of thoughts this morning on this passage and on this verse, and we'll just let it land where it lands. But we're going to start here, and I want to first start off this. The mistake that we make when we read this parable Is that we always contrast the wrong two things. When we read this, it says hey, there's the wise man and there's the foolish. And so we get earlier when we get in, because you always have to take scripture in context. And so we get earlier, you get about, man, those that call me Lord, Lord won't enter in. And there's false prophets and false teachers and narrow and wrong and all these things. And so what happens is, is that we miss what Jesus is saying because we contrast the wrong things. We automatically think that Jesus is talking about a good person versus a bad person. So what we do is we say, okay, that's a bad person, so that's not talking about me. Or you know what, that's a good person, and I'm a good person, so that scripture applies to me. But no, 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 no. Jesus isn't talking about a good person versus a bad person. He's talking about a religious person versus a follower of Christ. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about someone who appears on the outside. They are religious. They go to church every Sunday. They serve in the the nursery. They help out at every outreach. They give in the offering. It's the religious person. And then there's the true follower of Christ. And what this parable tells us is that really you can't tell the difference sometimes. So let's point out some things in this parable. So he says this: that everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. But then you go down, and it talks about then the foolish man. But everyone in verse twenty-six, but everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. So let's let's let's, let's contrast this for a little bit. Compare and contrast. So. Both people heard the same message. It says right there, those who hear these words of mine. Who is Jesus talking about these words of mine? He's talking about himself. And we know that Jesus' words to be true because in Scripture, in John chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word is God. You see, when Jesus talks, it's not like us. You see, when we talk sometimes, we could be disconnected from our words. What does that mean? That means I could sit here and I could tell you I love you and then kind of disconnect from that. I could just say it by word only, but my actions doesn't line up with it. Or I could be telling you one thing. Have you ever seen, you know, you go into a store and, you know, and people are, you know, you see these little babies and stuff and people are like, isn't this baby cute? And you're like, Yeah. <laughs> And, and if you're from the South, you're like, oh, bless that baby's heart. Bless your heart. If you're not from the South, just let me just tell you, anytime anybody from the South says, bless your heart, that is not a good thing. They are not literally saying, bless bless you. So if you've always walked around and said, oh, man, that person just told me, bless my heart. Uh, that's not a good thing. That's not. But you see what I'm talking about? It's very easy. We can disconnect our words from our actions but when Jesus speaks there is no disconnection there at all what he says he means and what he means he says so Jesus says those who hear the words of mine so they both heard the same message just like every Sunday people sit in churches all across the country hearing their pastors preach a message everybody's hearing the same message But then he says this, so not only did they hear the same message, but what? They both built houses. What is that a metaphor for? That is, they both begin to build their life. They both begin to develop their life. So here it is, they both heard the same message, and so from there, they begin to build houses. They begin to live their life. They begin to develop themselves. They begin to do those things. So you see, where's the difference in those two things? Can you tell the difference? No, 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 no. Matter of fact, not only did they both build houses, but they both built them in the general vicinity, kind of in the same location. So now we hear they've heard the same message. They built houses in the same location, and the houses even kind of look a little bit similar. This person goes to church. This person gives in the offering. This person goes and serves and helps out at the community Easter egg hunt. They've gone through life track. They even signed up for the marriage conference. Come on. And then, listen, and then both said the storms, the rains came. Both had storms and rains. Both. Both. Had them come. And what is that a metaphor for? Can it mean the storms and stuff of life? Yeah, it does. But what Jesus is really talking about, he's talking about the final judgment. That there's going to come a day where there will be the judgment that comes. And it says, then that's where the difference will be told. That's scary. That's scary because beforehand, I want you to take this. Just listen to this. Before this, Jesus is telling us that not everybody that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. But now all of a sudden, he's telling us that we have these two individuals that they hear the same message, they build houses, and yet when the storms come, whether you want to take that as the storms of life or you want to take that as the storms of the final judgment. That's how it will be told which one is wise and which one is foolish. That's why we must be very careful that we don't compare ourselves and we don't put people over in categories because we don't know who's who. You might come to church every Sunday and you may be looking at sister such and such and think she is so put together. But guess what? Where, what is her house built on? You may go see brother such and such and you may think he's just bad and worse and his life ain't put together. But guess what? What, what is his life built on? We Got to be careful. And so they hear this, and, and here's the thing. When Jesus is telling this, I'm telling you, they would have understood what he was talking about. Because what Jesus was referencing to is that and in, in where he did this, where he told the Sermon on the Mount, was in northern Galilee. And Galilee was a town that was kind of, there was around the, the Sea of Galilee. And so what G- they didn't get lots of storm because you got to realize they're in Israel. It's a dry, humid air uh, condition. So they didn't get tons of storms, but when they got storms, so when he talks about the rivers and all these raging, he is talking about storms that would all of a sudden come and develop in that region. And so they would know, and so they would not know if their houses are sturdy or not. Until that storm hit. So Jesus was telling them when he was saying this, they were getting it right away. They were picking up what he was putting down. And so then he goes, and this is the thing now. He says, what distinguishes the wise from the foolish? It's the foundation. What they're foundation was built on and he says what is the distinguishing mark of that foundation it's those that do what he says you say, wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute but both of them heard the same message they both built a house so weren't they obedient weren't they both obedient Mm -hmm. you want to know what's that the difference of that's the difference of this Is that the Lord speaks to you and says, hey, you should forgive, but you know you don't want to forgive. And so you make excuses for that. You see, we obey to the point until our comfort is challenged. You see, what happens is this. Everything is all great when it talks about, man, you know what? You know, if we give, it'll be given back to us. So, okay, I'm going to give. You know what? It's great when it talks about, you know, things that are going to benefit us. But the moment it gets tough and he says, you know what? Turn the other cheek. The moment he talks about loving your neighbor as yourself. And when he talks about loving your neighbor as yourself, he's not talking about your favorite next door neighbor that you love, that y'all have all the same interests, y'all have all the same likes, your, your kids are best friends and everything. No, he's talking about the neighbor on the other side who doesn't look like you, who doesn't talk like you, and he doesn't keep his yard cut, and he has lots of neighbors all the time, and they're always causing a ruckus. That's the neighbor he's talking about. You see, and there's so many of us we're wanting God to do some great things in our life, but we're not willing to be obedient. You see, our obedience a lot of time is like, who got kids in here? Lord bless your heart. <laughs> you know what I say? I, I, I have two boys, and my boys are 11 and 13 and 11, going on 13 and 11. And so I was a youth pastor for most of my life. And I would tell people what to do with their kids and everything. And now I'm discovering that my kids are like 11 and 13. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that don't work. (laughs) Like, I'm told people what to do with their kids. And I'm having to go back and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. So forgive every youth pastor out there, young youth pastor that told you what to do with your kids. Don't worry. It's going to come back. They're going to have kids one day. (laughs) But you know what I'm talking about if you have kids. You tell your kids something to do, and, and what's the one question they ask? Why? why? They want to know the reason why. And as parents, we're like, you know what? You, you, know, you don't have to understand what I'm telling you to do. You just have to trust me. That you don't need to know why you don't need to put your hand on a stove. I'm telling you it's dangerous, and it will hurt you. But there's some of us that were those kids... That we would just have to say, I don't think it's hot. But you see, God's word does not work on our understanding of it. You see, we want to understand before we do, but God is saying, when you do, you will understand. And I'm going to say that again, because it's very important for us to understand, is that we always want God, we want to understand, and, and and I'm not saying that's a bad thing inherently, but when we always have to go to this point of, hey God, I want to know why, I need to know why, I need to do this, and sometimes God is just saying, you know what, I don't need you, because the Bible says this, that his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts, that he is the God who created all the heavens, the earth, and the universe, do you- you think even if he was to explain it to us on his level that we would even understand it anyway and so what god is saying is i know the end from the beginning i see the beginning of time i've seen the end of time i know how it's all gonna work out so when i tell you this don't worry about it i got you covered but what we like to say is god i don't understand this and um and so um, I'm not sure quite. You know, we don't say this, but we do this with our actions. I'm not quite sure if I trust you. So if you just let me know what's going to happen, um, you know, and then I'll I'll think about it. You see, understanding doesn't lead to obedience. It doesn't. And we think this. Understanding doesn't lead to obedience. But obedience leads to understanding. Let me give you a great example. I'm going to go to the Old Testament for this. So we have King Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 15. And God says this. And and I would read this, and let me tell you again a great example. I would read the Old Testament, and I would always wonder why. God, why do you always tell them when the children of Israel was to conquer another nation, you would tell them to wipe out everything? I mean, you would tell them not to even let sheep live. I mean, everything, just wipe it all out. And the more I would read, because it didn't make sense, it didn't understand, you know, but then the more you read, you understand that, man, the reason why is because a lot of times, because they didn't wipe out the people, that was the reason why the Israelites always got conquered and always turned away from God. But we get to this one point where King Saul, Samuel the prophet goes to him. He says, the Lord has spoken. You're to go and you're to battle the Amalekites. And he says, and when you go, I want you to wipe everything out. I don't want you to let anything live. I don't want any livestock living. I don't want any women, children, all those things. I know it sounds harsh. It sounds harsh. He's like, I want everything wiped out. And a lot of times, let me just give you, put a pin in that. And a lot of times, I know it sounds harsh, but what really what happened is this, is that whenever the children of Israel didn't listen, a lot of these people, if they let them live, they would actually get old, they would grow up, and then they would end up conquering because they would remember what the Israelites have done, and they want some revenge. And so the clap back is real. For those that don't know what that means, It's revenge. Revenge. And so uh, so so let's go back to, to Saul. And so so Saul is like, okay, so he goes in and he takes the Malachites, he beats them, but he decides that you know what though we could use some new sheep. Our sheep are getting a little old. These some brand new sheep. These some pretty sheep. These sheep got good wool. Oh, man, and these cows over here, oh, man, yeah, they got that good milk. Our cow's milk is getting a little rancid. A little old. Oh, there's some good beef over here. So you know what? The Lord won't mind. So he goes back and he's prancing. He's excited because we done won. We done did the victory. He did the Carlton dance. He's all good. And so the prophet Samuel comes to him and the prophet Samuel's like, hey, So what, what, how'd it go? He's like, Oh man, I did everything the Lord asked me to do. We won. He's like, I thought the Lord told you not to take anything. He's like, I, I, I didn't. I, I, I didn't. All of a sudden, bad. Ooh. And Samuel's like, What what's, what's that? He's like, oh, what happened, right? <laughs> if you start off a sentence with what happened, <laughs> that ain't good. He says, well, what happened, right? I was like looking, and I saw them sheep. And I was like, man, our sheep are getting a little bit old, you know, because God don't be liking them old sacrifices. And I'm like, these things would be good for the sacrifice to the Lord and everything. And I was thinking the priest needs some new garments. And so the wool on that could make some nice new priestly garments and all these things. And then all of a sudden Samuel rebukes him. And he says this one phrase that changes everything. He says to obey is better than than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. And I say that because there are many of us that sit in churches all the time, we hear the message of the pastor, and we we say, well, God, you really don't want me to do that. I know you're asking me to forgive, but Lord, you know, I made a sacrifice. I get up every morning, and I serve in the kids' ministry, and he says, no, to obey is better than sacrifice, and the Lord is telling you, you need to get out of that relationship that you need to get out of, and you're like, Lord, but you know what? I've been giving my tithe and offering every Week, I've made a sacrifice. No, to obey is better than sacrifice. The Lord might be calling you, Who do you need? What sinful habit that you need to get rid of? And you say, Well, Lord, I know I got that over here, but you know, God, I got this right. And He said, No, to obey is better than sacrifice. He says this that the one that builds his life, the one that obeys the words of the Lord, those are the ones that have the solid foundation. You know, there's a poet by the name of Archibald. And he was a poet in the early 1900s, mid-1900s or so. And he was a great outdoorsman. He was an outdoorsman, everything, loved the outdoors. So he would just be in, you know, just love any story that outdoors and talk to outdoorsmen. But he said he came across this guy that lost his dog in a forest fire. He said the man was distraught. He said in talking to the man, he said that the man was like, I take the dog with me all the time. I love this dog. And he's like, that morning I was doing some work in the woods, and so I left him at the clearing with my lunch, and I told him, stay here to watch over the clearing. And he says a fire broke out. And he says, I would always have to watch what I said to my dog because he would do exactly what I say. Can that be said about us with God? You see, this message only has one point and one thought. I say all of this to get to this one point is just do it. You see, when the Lord speaks and he gives us something, it's for our good. And many of us, the Lord has spoken some things and we know some things that we must do. But because we're trying to wrestle and we're trying to understand it, then we're not going to do it until we understand. And let me tell you, when we have that thought, the enemy of our soul, our flesh, will always make sure we don't understand it. But the Lord says your understanding will happen in the obedience when you do it. It always baffles me when it comes to people and they wrestle with, you know, the word. They wrestle with, should I do what God says? Why is it baffling to me? Because if you go to the heart doctor and the heart specialist tells you, you need to have heart surgery. You'll listen to that specialist. If you have a computer that has a virus and you go to the IT specialist and he tells you, you have to do this to get rid of your virus, you'll do exactly what he says. If you want to get in shape and you want to lose weight and you go to a specialist, a nutritionist, and they give you this diet, you follow that diet. But why is it when we come to God's word and God tells us, this is how to live the life that I've called you to be. All of a sudden, it was like, I don't know about that, God. And yet, he's the one that created you. He's the specialist. The creator of the heavens and the earth. You see, obedience is better than Sacrifice. Some of you have been sacrificing for a long time, but you haven't obeyed. And you're thinking that your sacrifice, and I know this sounds harsh, but it's, that's what the Scripture says. It says you've been thinking that your sacrifices, you've been trying to, instead of obeying what God has told you to do, or what you know to do in Scripture, you're justifying it with your sacrifice. And at the end, it's going to look good. I don't know sitting in this room. You all look great to me. You all look good. You all look like you're righteous. But there's going to come a day where you're going to stand before the Lord. And then you will know what foundation your house is built on. You see, those who build it on a foundation of obedience, when the storms of life and when the storms of the judgment come, you'll have that firm foundation. But the foolish, no. You know what wisdom is? Let me ask you to stand to your feet. You want to know what wisdom is? Let me tell you what wisdom is there's a lot of people that chase knowledge but very few people want wisdom wisdom is saying that I don't need to experience it for myself if you tell me I can learn from you and I don't have to go through it myself if you build a house on a rocky foundation and it falls down because you didn't use all the right materials. Well, guess what? I'm going to learn from your mistake. I'm not going to repeat it myself. And what Jesus is telling us when he speaks to us, he's saying, I know how this turns out. Not because he's made the mistake himself, but because He sees and knows all. And he knows what if you don't do it, what it's going to end up at. He knows that if you do make that decision and you do live your life like that, this is where your life is going to end up. And so he's trying to tell you don't do it. Not because he's trying to take away your fun. No. But he's trying to do it because he's trying to save your life and I don't mean it in this sense that you're going to die but he's trying to save your life so that you can walk in the purpose and the destiny that God has for you and so this morning I ask you the question where have you built your house what are you going to do with the words of Jesus You see, here's the question. This is is the two questions you need to ask yourself when it comes to obedience. And ask yourself, am I obeying the word of God? If you can answer these two questions, you know that you're on the right track. Number one, did it cost you something? Because obeying the Lord, it's going to cost us something. It may cost us our pride. It may cost us our comfort. I hate to tell you this, but God isn't concerned about your comfort.
0: He's concerned
1: about your character. Does it cost you something? And if you could say, yes, it's cost me something, then you're on the right track. And then the second question is, did it change you? Have you changed? You see, when you obey God, you cannot obey him and still stay the same. You cannot obey him and still do the same things that you've done. You cannot obey him and still talk the same way that you talk. You cannot obey him and still go to some of the places that you go. You cannot obey him and still keep some of the relationships that you keep. That when you obey God and you obey him, it's going to cost you something. And it's going to change you, but not in a bad way. Because God knows the purpose and the destiny over your life. And you won't fulfill all that God has for you unless you obey. So I ask you this question this morning. Again, where have you built your house And see, this morning, we have the opportunity to put what we've heard into practice. Because anytime we hear the word of the Lord, it demands a response. What are you going to do with the word of God? And you say, well, you really didn't give us something to obey. No, no, I did. You see, what is God speaking to you and what has he told you to do that you have not done? This morning, the Lord may have been speaking to you, and I believe there's many of you in this room that God has been speaking to you about some things, and you've kind of been kicking the can down the road, and the Lord says, no, you've got to make a decision. Are you going to obey or not? There's some of you that God has been asking you to, you need to forgive someone and you haven't. There's some that God said you need to break out of that relationship and you haven't. There's some that God says you need to pick up that phone and you need to kind of make, you need to restore that. And you haven't. There's some of you that are holding on to this secret sin or this habit, and God says, I need for you to stop that, and you haven't. There is something for all of us in this room that the Lord is speaking to us, and we have to decide, are we going to obey? Because obedience is better than sacrifice. The religious person sacrifices the true follower of Christ obeys. And so they're getting ready to go into a song. And you may be in this place and you may have never said yes to Jesus. What does saying yes to Jesus means? Saying yes to Jesus means that I'm gonna trust his words. You see, there's something the Bible calls sin. And the Bible says this, that we all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, which means that we've all tried to do things on our own, and we tried to do what we think is right, but what we think isn't right. And the Bible also says that the wages of sin is death. And so the the cost for our sin is death. But the Bible also says, for God so loved the world that he sent his son Jesus to come and live the life we should have lived and to die the death we should have died, to pay the penalty. It's pretty much like this. I heard it put like this. It's like going to court, you're on trial, and you know that you're guilty and you're getting ready to be sentenced because you know that your crime deserves a penalty. And so as you're getting ready to get your sentence, the judge gets up and he says, He gives you your sentence. But he says, you don't need to serve it because I'm going to serve your sentence for you. And you're dazed and confused. You say, what do you you mean? And the judge says that all you have to do is just accept the fact that I'm going to serve your sentence. And you see, that's in essence what Jesus has done for us. And he says that all I want from you is to accept the fact that I've served your sentence. And now if you would trust me, that I'm going to lead you in the right direction. That's what saying yes to Jesus means. It means that God, I am going to follow what you say. I'm going to trust you.
0: Thanks again for listening to this week's message. And if today's message helped or inspired you, feel free to share it with someone. If after today's message, you have questions, need help, or just want somebody to talk to or process with, just shoot LifeHouse a text to 757-690-2401. For more information about LifeHouse, you can visit us at lifehouseonline.church. That's lifehouseonline.church.